You have found your way into Matthew as we continue with a model prayer. Uh, Jesus has now come to the point. Now, last week we looked at that uh, uh, he uh, said that we need to pray for forgiveness. And we talked about uh, uh, forgiveness uh, for our sins. And when we get forgiveness for our sins, then we're able to forgive those who have sinned against us. We talked about unforgiveness. And I'm still convinced that uh, one of the biggest problems in our churches today is unforgiveness. And uh, we want to make sure that we're praying and, and, and that we're seeking uh, forgiving. We need to have a forgiving spirit. Say, well, Brother Mike, that's not, that's not easy to do. That's the reason why you need to pray. You need to ask God, God, you're going to have to help me on this matter. Matter of fact, if it's unforget, whatever your sin is, we have to have the power of God working in us and enabling us because in and ourselves, we're not able to overcome anything. But the power of God working in us can help us to overcome whatever is hindering us from being what we ought to be and hindering us as a, a, a body of Christ here from doing what he's called us to do. And could it be the reason why we're not seeing the glory of God falling? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking uh, to, to pastors and talking to people in other churches. And it just seems like, uh, well, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions. And why is that? I'm telling you, it's because of those walls. And the biggest one that I'm getting back feedback is unforgiveness. And so Jesus talked about that. He says... You need to ask for forgiveness for your sins. Now he says, and he adds, notice here, it says, as you're praying, uh, you're also praying and talks about temptation. Do you see it there in the text? He talks about temptation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, when we look at that uh, face value, uh, it should cause you to think, well, exactly what he's talking about. Notice he says to pray when you're praying, pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Now, the first thing that we're going to see when we're dealing with uh, temptation is uh, we're looking at it's a problem. Would you agree tonight that temptation is a problem for every one of us? Every one of us has an issue with that. We have a problem with that. But notice here that he says, uh, and lead us. Now, being a child of the king, if you're truly saved and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we sing songs like, Lord, take my hand, lead me. We talk about him leading us. So when we see this uh, prayer does he mean that uh, we're holding him responsible for leading us into temptation? And it would be a resounding, absolutely not. God does not lead you into temptation. We understand in James chapter 1 and uh, verse number 13, it says, And let no man say that he's tempted of God. The Bible is quite clear that he doesn't lead you into temptation. We see Adam tried that. Remember when Adam got called out on his sin? What was he? he was blaming God. If you hadn't gave me the woman, I wouldn't have the issue that I have. 
Listen, if Eve never came into the picture, Adam would still have a problem. Why? Because he had a sinful nature just like you and just like me. Every one of us uh, need to quit blaming somebody else when we fall into temptation. So what is he saying here? If, he's, if we're saying that he does not live, lead us into temptation, exactly what does he mean? Well, understand, we have two paths that we can take in our journey of life. We can go God's path or we can go our path. And what he's saying here is, Lord, I need some help here because I want to take your path, but it just seems like I gravitate towards the path that I want to take. And so, Lord, what I'm needing from you and what I'm pleading with you and what I'm crying out to you is, Lord, just don't lead me into where I come to a crossroads and I have to make a decision which way I want to go because I understand my sinful nature. I understand my lust. I understand my flesh can get in the way. And if I even go towards the crossroads, uh, I'm probably going to go the wrong way. I'm going to take the wrong path. And so he says, I need your help in this matter. In James, and still in James chapter 1, look at verses 14 and 15. He says, well, who is drawing us? Well, he answers the question. He says, I'm being drawn by my lust. And I'm being enticed. See, we have no one to blame except ourselves when we fall into temptation. But what do we do? We're always looking out for somebody else to blame. Well, you know, I have a problem with my anger. And, but you know what? That, that wife of mine, she knows the right buttons. And she knows exactly what's going to get me all riled up. And Lord, if you just straighten her out and help her to get her act together, I wouldn't be going into my little fits of rage and whatnot and say things I shouldn't say. Listen. (laughs) Y'all need prayer. Y'all need prayer. That's not the response I was looking for. I wasn't trying to throw your wives under the bus. It's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. You're the one with the problem of anger. We're the ones. I'm telling you, we're looking for somebody. We live in a society where I don't do anything wrong. I'll find somebody to blame. Oh, I'm telling you, when I was doing jail ministry, everyone that was incarcerated said it wasn't their fault. And I would say things like, isn't it amazing that we have 2,600 inmates and every one of them's innocent? And they would say, well, why did you get into, why did you get into addiction? Well, it's my buddy of mine. And uh, I, I wasn't drinking at the time, but he drank beer. And, and you know, he shoved a beer on me. And he, and he made me drink that beer. And I said, oh, yeah, he held a gun to your head and made you drink the beer. He says, well, that no, he didn't do that. But if he hadn't have gave me that first beer, I'm telling you, it might have been, not been an addiction problem that you'd have, but you're still going to have a sin problem And the sin problem that you have, you can't blame on anybody but yourselves. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, lead us. He says, because my lust, 
My lust draws me. We see the progression. First of all, the lust. That lust, oh, as we're walking our path, because of our lust, as we're walking down the path, there's something over here. And, and, and so because of our lust, we get drawn towards that. Name your sin. Your lust draws you to that. And so then your temptation. And then if you continue on, that temptation will wind up into sin. And that sin, if you do not get it correctly, will lead to death. That's the progression. We see it in the life of David. Now, David, of course, he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. We all know the story. David was happening to look out and he looks over there and there's Bathsheba and she's bathing in the nude. Now, some would say, well, it's Bathsheba's fault. She shouldn't have been bathing in the nude. No, it was David's fault because his lust for her drew him into temptation and that temptation led to the sin. You can go ahead and, and whatever your sin problem is, whatever that stronghold may be in your life, that lust will draw you towards that. Billy Graham said it this way. He says, uh, a man looks at a very attractive woman. He says, that first look is always free. It's the second one that will cost them. Do you see where I'm going with this? So that temptation... Uh, two monks. There were two monks. They were walking down an old country road and they were going to the monastery. They came to a stream. They had had some recent rains and the stream was running pretty high. And there was a young lady there, very attractive lady. And she uh, was uh, all confused and upset. And so the, the monks walked over towards her. And uh, she says, I got to get across this little stream, but I'm scared. I don't know how to swim. I, I, I'm just a little frightened. And so one of the monks went ahead and said, that's no problem. And he picked her up and he carried her over to the stream and he, and he placed her there on the other side of the bank. The other monk followed suit and uh, the, the, she said, thank you very much. And says, no problem, they go on. Well, after about five or six minutes after they left that young lady there, the other monk looked at the one that carried her over and he says, my dear brother, he said, uh, you do know that we are not even supposed to look at another woman but yet, not only did you look at that woman, but you carried her in your arms and you carried her over to the other side of that stream. My dear brother, what do you have to say for yourself? The other monk looked at him and he says, well, uh, my story is, yes, I did pick her up. Yes, I did carry her over. But he says, I dropped her and I left her on the other side but you have carried her in your heart. You see where we're talking about here? See, our lust draws us, and then that temptation comes, and what happens is we stay a lot longer on that temptation to where now that temptation has caused us to sin. Whose fault is that? Ours. Our sinful nature. See, the old man 
The old man wants to rise up every so often, does it not? That old flesh starts to talk to us. And now there's a war going on. Paul said it in chapter 7 of Romans. He says there's a struggle going on. The old nature and the new creation. And there's a conflict between the two. He says, wait a minute, Brother Mike. I thought when I got saved that my old man was crucified. Yes, it has been. Praise God for that. The Bible also tells us in Romans 6, if you continue to read that, it says, we no longer uh, have uh, sin, no longer has dominion over us. It's been, it's been crucified in Christ. We have died to self and been raised in newness of life. But that old nature still wants to raise its head. But here's the good news. You do not have to yield to that old man. Why? The old man is dead. See, the problem is not the devil made you do it. The problem is not he's just too strong for me. The problem is you didn't feed the right dog as we've illustrated many times. You fed the dog that was going to fight and the dog that you fed the most is a dog that's going to win. So the problem with us is which dog? Did you feed the flesh or did you feed the spirit? And if you fed the dog more, you're going to fall into temptation and you're going to sin. But if you feed the spirit more than you feed the other dog, you are able to overcome and have victory over that temptation. So, we go move on. We see that he talks about that. And now we come to the power of that temptation. And verse number 14, we're back in James chapter 1. We saw that, it, that word entice. The word entice means to bait. This is what I was referring to about the two dogs that are fighting inside us. The flesh and the spirit. Entice means to bait. And so what happens is, because we're drawn by our lust, then we have that bait, that, that temptation. It says, hey, look here. Hey, you used to like me. You used to, you used to visit me a little bit more. I'm still here. Oh, I know you quit your drinking, but hey, uh, one every once in a while ain't going to hurt you. Oh, remember me? See how it's working? And so we're drawn towards it. See, your, your lust are not the same lust that I might have. The same temptation that affects you might not even bother me. But if you're drawn by your lust... Because you didn't feed the right dog, temptation is going to bite you every time. And you're going to sin. But then we'll see how powerful this temptation is. We lived in Florida. And uh, I found out a few things. We, oh, we didn't live on the beach. Well, in Cedar Key, we lived about two blocks from the, from the beach. But... Um, We'd go out and play out in the water and whatnot. Well, they have these uh, strong undertoes that would come in. Riptides uh, also. And, and, you know, you had the red flag. It amazes to me that uh, when they throw the red flag, that means you probably don't want to venture out too, too far in the water. Why? Because the current 
is stronger than usual. But of course, being people, and I came and I spent a thousand dollars on my hotel room, and I'm going to go out into the water. I came, I drove eight hours to get in the water. I don't care what the flag says; I'm getting out there. And so I would uh, hang around the beach, especially on red flag days, just to see the foolish activity that would go on. And you'd see them; they'd get out there. And they'd be talking their buddy. Now, you couldn't hear them, but they would say things. I don't know what that red flag means. He said, well, they said something about riptides. And what's riptides? You know, they're talking back and forth. I don't know. Well, they said something about uh, it, it would pull you out. He says, man, look at us. It ain't nothing happening to us. Those riptides are very subtle. You don't realize the power of it. But the next thing you know, the longer you linger in the water, the further out that you get. And then, when you look and say, whoa, we've gone too far, we better swim back in, you don't swim against a riptide. Can't do it. Why? Because the power of that current is stronger than you are. That's what we're talking about here. Your, the temptations are stronger than you realize. They're subtle. See, sin just doesn't just slap you in the face. It kind of drifts you out. And the next thing you know, you look around and says, man, I have messed up. Well, I can, get, I can fix this. I, I'll, 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 I know I, I'll, I can fix this. I'll, I'll turn over a new leaf. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. But you are not able to do that. Why? Because sin is a powerful force to reckon with. And here's what he's talking about here. He says, this is why we need to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I know that this force that I'm going to have to deal with is a lot stronger than I am. And I need you. I need your enabling power. And Lord, I understand the time for me to call out that I need help is not when I'm up to my neck in the water and I'm getting further and further away. The time that I need to call on you is before I even get in the water. That's where our problems are. We wait until we've messed up and then we'd say, okay, do a magic trick for me, Jesus, because I'm fixing to sink. And then we continue to wallow in our sin and we're thinking, well, God, some help you are. Well, who got you there? You're the one that got into the water. You're the one that ignored the red flags that was flying and says, don't get in, don't get in. But your lust kept on drawing you and drawing you. It was subtle. You wouldn't realize it at the time. That one beer, that wasn't a big deal. Then it was two beers. Then it was three beers. The next thing you know, we got a 12-pack, and that might last through the night. Maybe it won't. It's a subtle thing. Tim David. David already had that lust in his heart. He didn't say... I need her right now. He looked upon her and then he camped out in that temptation and that lust drew him closer and closer until then the the physical act took place. And then he realized, Lord, I'm in a mess. My dear friend, 
when you're praying, you're praying for God to help you not even get near the crossroads because you're always going to be gravitating towards the wrong path. Okay? Now, he goes on and says, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now, that's the bad news, right? Here's the good news. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, it says, that the Lord knows how to deliver us from temptation. That's the good news. The Lord can deliver us from temptation. We see it all through the Bible. Joseph is the one that comes into mind. And we've already alluded to Joseph, but uh, there is no recorded sin. We know that Joseph, because he is, was just, uh, he was just a man. Now he's a man of faith. He, he's strong in his walk. But we know that he probably... But the Bible does not give any recording of his sin. But when you look at the life of Joseph... What would Joseph do? Joseph wouldn't go ahead and get towards the edge. Remember when he was uh, being falsely accused of Potiphar's wife? What did he do? He, when he realized that this could be a problem here, he ran as far as he could from it. Here's what we do. We see how close to the edge we can get. We get, uh, oh yeah, hey, I got this thing. It's, it's, just, it's just a movie that has two cuss words. That can't be that bad. Next thing you know, you got a movie you're going to, it's got four. Next time, do you see the progression here? What's doing that? Your lust. Your old flesh. We can do whatever sin that you're that, that you're struggling with, the process is still the same. So what we need to do is first of all, Lord, lead me not even to the crossroads, so I have to decide what Lord take me as far away. Give me the strength and give me the power to walk as far as I can from that temptation that lies right around the corner for me. Satan does not give up just because you got saved. Matter of fact, he's going to work on you a little bit harder. Why does he do that? Because he knows our nature. He knows. He knows what's going to get us there. He, he knows how we can get and how, how we take our chances and how we get as close to the edge as we can. He knows all that. Satan is not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's cunning. He has a strategy all wrapped around you. He knows what will drive you into your lust. He knows what will drive you with the temptation that will beset you. He knows what's going to get you. And so he'll do everything he can to orchestrate it. That's the reason why we need, Lord, lead us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we go, here's the plea, and we're going to close. I want you to turn 
Here in the scriptures, it says, deliver us from evil. The meaning in it, uh, you could easily translate, lead us from the evil one. And as we look at that, uh, we uh, come to a passage. It's in 2 Corinthians. I want you to go ahead and turn to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verse number 3. Your page is flipping. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number 3. Listen to what the word says. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. What's it saying? It says that our struggles, our battles are not flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that. Our battles are with the principalities and the demonic activity. Okay? Now, people can say what they want to. And I know I'm talking to a very intelligent crowd tonight. But I think sometimes even an intelligent crowd needs to be reminded. You can go ahead and make as much light if you want to about the devil. I mean, we, we kid around with it, you know. And, of course, Flip Wilson back 100 years ago, you know, the devil made me do it. And we all get a little chill. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, Satan and the demonic forces is nothing to be joking around. They are real. They are powerful. And their destination is to come to your house. And their goal is to tear you down. Okay? So he says, we, even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The word carnal could, uh, could uh, translate into natural. Because here's, here's where we're, we're, we're fighting this war that we're in with the wrong weapons. Okay? We're getting self-help books. We're going to counsel and say, nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not, hear me, hear me right. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, self-help books, I mean, you help yourself to them. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into all that. Because it talks about how there's something good in you. And that goodness wants to come out. And you need to get in touch with your inner child. And you just need to let your child get out. And, and, and I, 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 you know, I'm just, I, I ain't going there. Because that's not what's going to help win the war. This war is a spiritual war. Okay? He says our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but here's, here's our weapons. All right? Now, this, if nothing else, you ought to go out of here encouraged. I mean, already you're thinking, man, man, he nailed it on me today. I'm, I, I do wrestle with this. I, I know I don't. Uh, here, here's the good news. All right? He says, but they're mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's he saying? He says the weapons that we have at our disposal as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can tear those walls down. 
Now, notice the word usage here. He didn't just use he can tear down uh, temptation. He didn't say he can tear down uh, your sin. He, he said strongholds. He's talking about that one that's gripped you, that one that is hindering you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ the way you ought to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about something that you've been wrestling with for a long time. He says, I'm telling you, you can have that victory. You can because you've got to realize the weapons that are your disposal are mightier, greater than he that's in me than he that's in the world. Okay? He says, now you can pull down uh, the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every, now watch this, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now watch this. You ought, you ought to have a spell. Here's what he's saying. He says, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you're never going to have those lust desires. I'm not telling you temptation is not going to come your way. I'm not telling you, you can, you're going to be falling into sin. But here's what I'm telling you. He says, if you exercise the weapons that I've given you and the ones that I provided you, he says, nothing should ever have to take hold of your life. You have dominion over your sin, not because you're mighty, you're a super saint, but because the one that's in you is mighty and he can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have a a weapon and that weapon is Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior embodying in us uh, uh, dwelling in us and he says here's your problem your problem is you're feeding the wrong dog so tonight what dog you feeding you feeding your flesh more than you're feeding your spirit how does that work brother Mike well, here's the one way you can feed your dog. Being in Sunday school. Being Sunday morning worship. Being on Wednesday night. Being on Sunday night. You having your quiet time, your devotion time. You open to the Word of God. You praying. You seeking God's will in your life. That's how you feed your spirit. It's amazing to me how many that are, that, that are, are saying, I just can't get this victory. And then you start asking about, well, well how, how are you feeding your dog? Well, you know, every once in a while I'll throw it a bone. You ain't going to feed a hungry dog by just throwing a bone. You have to do it with intention and consistency. That's how you get your dog strong. It's amazing to me, not close, how we're more concerned about feeding our rovers and spots and all that, but yet we're not really all that concerned about feeding our spirit. Now, I mean, I know it's a Wednesday night. I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm just saying we're here to help you to be able to bring those strongholds down. 
We're here to encourage you that you can win the battle. It would be depressing to get up there and say, right, by the way, <laughs> it ain't never going to happen in your life, but hey, have a good life anyway. Oh, my dear friend, the Word of God says you can be more than conquerors. My, my Bible tells me that we can do anything as long as He's working in and through us, but we have to feed the right dog.